welcome to From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast from the Holland Sentinel News team. Today I'm joined by two of our reporters, our municipality reporter, Carolyn Meiskins. Hey, Carolyn. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And I'm also joined by our government reporter, Arpan Lobo. How's it going, Arpan? I'm good. Doing well. Um, Okay, so today we are going to, to do a little bit of a, a weekly news roundup, as we are wont to do. Um, so, Carolyn, I'm going to start with you. We're going to talk money. So this week you delved into the Holland City budget, and there's one kind of major change and some other things of note to, to talk about. So tell me what the, the big news is from the Holland City budget this year. Yep, so they approved their budget for the 2022 fiscal year, which starts July 1st. Uh, it's a $183 million budget, although most of that is the Holland BPW um, utilities, but they are holding back on a lot of new spending and new initiatives this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic and kind of the uncertainty of the financial future, what things are going to look like in the next couple of years as we recover. So. They held back, but there was one big investment that they kept in the budget, which is $250,000 for body cameras for the Holland Police Department. Uh, this will be a body camera for every officer, as well as a new position in the police department that will oversee the cameras and manage, manage the footage and manage um, FOIA requests for that footage. Yeah, you know, this is something that we have talked to the Holland Police Department for over the years. And there's always been this, this idea that, you know, it, it's not that the department was morally opposed to them or, or anything like that. It was more of a logistics question for them. Because yes, you, you get the, the body cameras and, you know, you just distribute them to the officers and that's all fine and good. But then you have to deal with the actual footage and and all of that digital footprint and where to store it and if you do get a, a Freedom of Information Act request, how is that going to be, you know, digitally redacted or censored or whatever, you know, may need to happen. Um, so what part of that is going to be like a continuing cost moving forward for that that maintenance and the storage? Yeah, so there's definitely obviously the salary of this new position that'll be a significant cost to the city to have an additional position in the office. Um, and I think your point of, about the, the, the storage of the footage, I think they feel the technology has advanced in the last couple of years um, with cloud computing. That's how the Zealand Police Department is dealing with their storage. They just got body cameras last year and they were the first in our county. Um, and that does cost, there's, for Zealand at least, there's an annual maintenance fee, there's an annual fee to this server that hosts all of their footage. Uh, that's a couple thousand dollars a year. So yes, there are gonna be certainly ongoing costs and I'm sure the technology of the body cameras themselves is not going to last forever. It'll probably only last a couple of years, um, but we're still, um, they haven't purchased the body cameras yet. I'm not sure when that will happen. It'll be sometime after July when the money becomes available in the budget, but stay tuned. We will have more details and a more in more in-depth coverage of this as they actually prepare to purchase the cameras. Interesting. Yeah. And that, that's a great point that you made about 
Zealand Police Department getting body cameras fairly recently as well. There are two other police departments in the, the county that we have the Grand Haven Department of Public Safety and then obviously the biggest in, in terms of numbers and geographic um, distance is the Ottawa County Sheriff's Office. So now that we have two smaller departments in the area that have them, it will be interesting to see if the other two will, will join in. Uh, obviously that's a much bigger question when you're talking about 120 or so deputies at the sheriff's office that's that's a more significant cost than 10 or so at zealand and 40 or so at holland but that will be something to to look to in the future for sure thanks carolyn um okay so we're going to turn to arpen now to talk a little bit of politics so this week in washington there was a, a pretty big vote in the house to uh, decide whether there was going to be a commission on the January 6th Capitol insurrection. And how did our, our local representatives vote on that, Arpen? Yeah, well, well, to, uh, to, to back up a little bit first, the House did vote to pass uh, the bill that would create this uh, commission. I think it was 252 uh, votes in favor to 175 votes against. And there was actually 35 Republicans that uh, flipped and voted with the Democrats. And among those was uh, Holland area rep Fred Upton. He represents the, um, the Allegan County and some of the counties uh, further south going down to the Indiana border. Um, he voted in favor of creating the commission. He had come out before the, the vote happened and said, um, you know, kind of the how jarring the events of January 6th were, uh, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. He said there needed to be answers we could provide to the American people on to why this happened. Um, on, the other, on the other side, uh, the Holland rep, uh, Bill Heisinger, who's the northern um, counties, uh, including Ottawa County and further up the lakeshore, he voted no. And uh, his reason for voting, you know, was the same as Kevin McCarthy's and uh, Senate Minority Leader uh, Mitch McConnell's. Uh, he didn't like that Democrats had the um, authority to hire the staff on the commission. Now, that's kind of, it's kind of a little odd uh, way to frame it because the commission itself was going to be five people appointed by Democrats and five people appointed by Republicans. But like the support staff, so like clerks and people who kind of, you know, um, maybe do research and things like that. Democrats, they would have had the hiring uh, control on that as they control both the House and the Senate. So um, we don't know if this bill is going to pass the Senate. Um, there is a chance that some Republicans in the Senate do flip and decide to vote in favor of it with the Democrats. But um, for those of you that don't know, the filibuster in the Senate requires you have to have 60 votes to pass something through for most pieces of legislation. There are some workarounds, but I can't see one for this. Um, so the reason for that is that you want to try and encourage bipartisanship, but in recent years has really just turned to a crutch for the minority party to kind of just tank things that they don't want to get passed. And there's a lot of debate on it, but we'll see if 35 Republicans in the house um, would w vote with Democrat. It's not out of the question that you can uh, pick off a handful of Republicans in the Senate to kind of get them to vote with uh, Democrats, but can you get 10? It's going to be, maybe an uphill climb, so we'll see. Sure, and and Michigan senators, uh, Senator Gary Peters and Senator Debbie Stabenow are both 
Democrats to have generally voted with the party. So we're pretty sure both of those Michigan votes in the Senate will be yes. Um, but yeah, really interesting to, to hear that breakdown. Uh, so Carolyn, I'm, I'm going to come back to you and we're going to talk about the great outdoors. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's uh, probably 83 degrees outside today. Um, so we've got some people hunkering down in the AC, but we've got some exciting news with the, the Holland uh, City Park system. Uh, we've got a, a new park coming with a window on the waterfront, right? Yeah, it's sort of a, a park in a park. So <laughs> it is a nature-based playground, which means basically a playground made of natural materials. So there'll be climbing structures, but it'll be made of logs or a climbing structure that'll be more of like a boulder that you can climb on. Um, very everything made of natural materials that is coming to window on the waterfront this summer. Um, and it's kind of a public and private partnership between the city and the Outdoor Discovery Center. The Outdoor Discovery Center actually approached the city to bring this nature playground to window on the waterfront because they have a, a pretty new preschool located at Pillar Church called Seedlings Discovery Preschool. Uh, if you live around Holland, you may have seen the little group of kids um, tottering around downtown. Cute, they make them day every time see them. Very cute. Um, so they will be using this playground, but it'll obviously, it's in a public park and it'll obviously be accessible to the public. And they are, the entire project is $350,000. They've already raised 250,000 for it, but they're crowdfunding for the last 100,000. And mm -hmm. they received a, or they are participating in a program of the, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, where if they can raise 50,000 from the Holland community, they will get a $50,000 match from the state. And this is a pretty big project in terms of space, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's about one acre in total. Um, if you know where the tulips are in window on the waterfront, it'll be north of the tulips, but south of the big, that kind of hilly area in window on the waterfront, if you can picture that, it'll be pretty close to the parking that's already there in the park. Nice, okay, cool. Um, so the, the big news this week has, uh, as it so often does, come from the governor's office. Uh, this week, Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced some new benchmarks and some new dates to look forward to for Michiganders uh, about the uh, lowering of COVID-19 restrictions. So we've got two, two big dates, June 1st and July 1st coming up. Uh, Arpen, can you talk a little bit about what's going to happen on, on those two benchmark dates? Sure. Uh, June 1st, you're going to see a kind of lifting on all outdoor capacity restrictions uh, that were in place because of COVID. Um, so I think previously the figure was 300 was your uh, max figure outdoors. And um, on July 1st, you're going to see the um, basically the lifting of all, every, every restriction um, kind of that includes indoor capacities, um, I believe the broad mask mandate has already been lifted, but I think that will be official on July 1st. doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. Um, and even, you know, currently it's only in place for unvaccinated people, but the state isn't enforcing any, you know, kind of strict 
checks on that, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's it's a pretty you know concrete timeline for really a kind of um, resumption of you don't want to say normal. Uh, I think because it's hard to I think paying exactly what normal is like in a post COVID world. Um, it's going to take some time to kind of adjust to this, and you know COVID isn't going away even if we kind of uh, get more people vaccinated and have less cases and things like that. But it's it's a pretty you know like black and white timeline for people to kind of look forward to say, okay, by July 1st. And the governor said by, you know, she, she mentioned the 4th of July as uh, that, that's the part where you can kind of celebrate again. So um, it's definitely a step in a uh, positive direction, I think for, for people in Michigan um, it's a departure. And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago from the governor's kind of, she called it the VAC to normal plan, which directly here. <laughs> yeah it's, I, I was never a fan of the name I'll, 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 i can say that now but anyway um that directly tied kind of reopening things to vaccination be- benchmarks um but when the cdc kind of came out with guidance that also said you know fully vaccinated people really don't need to be wearing masks anymore unless they're traveling or something like that you know in a enclosed space for a long period of time unless they're doing the highest risk of activities they'd be you know better off or not better off, but they'd be okay without a mask in most situations. Um, so, so previously, I- you know, when you're talking about those those numbers of vaccinations, it was that we'd be be done with the mask mandates and all of the other you know additional things when uh, of the you know people in Michigan who were eligible, who at the time I think it was 16 and up, um, got like 70 percent of them at least their first vaccine shot. Right. So does this new um, July 1st lifting of restrictions trump that or are we no longer tied to that 70% threshold? Right, correct. The the 70% threshold is gone. So what it was, um, it was two weeks after 70% of residents. And like you mentioned, at the time, it was eligible. It was only 16 and up. But now the Pfizer vaccine has since been approved for people, I think, 12 to 15 as well. So that's more, more people gets vaccinated. It kind of changes the the target number, but um, the plan was two weeks after 70% of people had at least received their first vaccine dose, all restrictions were going to be lifted uh, unless unforeseen circumstances uh, came up. Now it's July 1st is that target. It has nothing to do with vaccination rates. Currently about 57% of people in Michigan, I think that's still 16 and up. So that does not include 12 to 15 year olds, but 57% of people in Michigan who are eligible for the vaccine have gotten at least their first dose. Um, whether that number reaches 70 by July 1st, it's it's unclear. The uh, v- vaccination rate has still kind of stagnated in Michigan. Not as many people are getting vaccinated every day. And that's something that was always going to happen. You know, that initial demand wasn't going to last forever. But health officials really want to get to at least 70% and likely higher to um, kind of get a uh, sense of herd immunity in the community. So we'll see what the July 1st date means now that the majority of uh, people in Michigan have at least gotten one dose. We'll see if we can get to 70% by July 1st. All right. Sounds like people should be planning to get those hot dogs and hamburgers ready for that 4th of July weekend. All right. right. And it was a big, oh, I was just going to mention, you know, um, it was part of part of Governor Whitmer's announcement in doing um, this kind of 
uh, capacity restriction lifting, she actually announced it from a baseball field. She was at um, Dow Chemical Field in Midland, Michigan, which is where one of the minor leagues teams play. And she says, come June 1st, you know, this can be a full house. I don't know how many people in Midland are going to watch minor league baseball, but I'm sure it's a good time. So maybe you can get out to a Whitecaps game if you're free. <laughs> Absolutely. See those fireworks and make it on down to fifth and fifth, third ballpark. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining me this week, you two. And we will be back in your feeds next week with another news roundup of From the Newsroom.